Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 53. And we are super excited to have not one, but two wonderful guests today, Nicole Whitlock and Renata Darden. Thank you guys so much for being on today. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Yes, it's so great to have these two wonderful ladies here. Uh, Nicole and Renata are from Ecom Sellers LLC, and they do all kinds of really cool things for the e-commerce community. And, um, you know, I had Nicole come and talk at the Inspire Summit about, um, about mindset. And she had this way of talking you know every conference we ever go to we hear about mindset right <laughs> and and uh you know she i i was thinking oh, am i really gonna learn it i always learn something new from nicole every time so she really really helped me and all of the people that were at the conference and at the summit that followed get our minds around what to do in our businesses when times get tough and of course this was before <laughs> This was before the fun that we are having right now. And so since then, uh, you know, Nicole and Renata and I, we've, you know, gone live a couple of times and, um, and you know, just try to give people some encouraging words. And so we're going to talk a little bit about story today because we love hearing about different seller stories. And, and then we're going to talk a little bit about mindset and what we're doing in, in um, our businesses now to kind of, uh, you know, get through these uncertain times. I've heard from a lot of sellers lately that it's just, you know, they're having trouble staying motivated, having trouble uh, making big decisions because they might be nervous about the uncertainty of the future. So I love that we're talking about that today. Welcome, Nicole, and welcome, Renata, and thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. <laughs> I'm so glad that we're here. Yes, please tell us a little bit about um, about your story and, you know, a little bit about you, where you're from, where you live now, you know, what you've done and kind of leading up to uh, what you're doing now. I know it's a long story, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going I'm to try to condense my part. I'll let Renata talk about hers, but, um, but yeah, I had the pleasure of talking at Amy's event and I will tell you guys full disclosure, I'm in the house with my kiddos. I have a son who's autistic and who knows what it's going to happen. So this will be an interesting uh, talk today. But um, I had the pleasure of speaking at Amy's event and I was grateful for that. We, we host the Ecom Seller Summit. We also own Ecom Sellers Academy um, and a couple of other Ecom Sellers uh, groups, Ecom Sellers Mastermind and so on and so forth. And um, I am in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I'm actually in Frisco. And um, one of the things that kind of got me started on this road, because you asked about that first, was um, we were both part of a group called No Excuses. And we had an amazing mentor and um, our group kind of disbanded over time. We were together for about four years, loved it. And once it disbanded, I didn't know what we were gonna do. And um, I kind of thought about it and prayed about it and, and went to a mastermind, which was ironic. And in that mastermind, which was like September, 2018, um, I had an epiphany that I needed to do something. I knew I was going to launch some level of e-commerce training because that's what I had done for like three or four years. 
And um, in that group that we were part of, we also used to host live events. We used to host conferences and hotels and, you know, we'd have upwards 100, 200, 300 attendees and we'd host a couple of them a year and it was great. But um, again, we folded. So I had to figure out what am I going to do? What am I going to do next? So I decided um, after praying about it and, and uh, thinking about it, that I wanted to create an environment where people who do e-commerce could get all types of e-commerce related training and information. And that is how e-com sellers was birthed indirectly. Um, there's more to it than that, but I will give you the condensed version. <laughs> or not as like, there is so much more to it. But in case, <laughs> um, that is how it was birthed. Now in the middle of this, uh, this creation of Ecom Sellers, we created Ecom Seller Summit, which we host twice a year. Then we have the Ecom Sellers Academy, which we do uh, weekly trainings. And, uh, and then some other Ecom Sellers related um, spinoffs. But um, the irony was, is that when you asked me to speak and I said I was going to talk about mindset, prior to COVID-19, prior to the current uh, situation that we're all in, I had actually personally gone through a mold situation in my house, which changed my entire Q4. Uh, for all of us who do e-commerce, we know that Q4 is like the money-making time of the year. You know, you place all of your orders in June and July, or maybe even in April or May. And then what ends up happening is inventory in, inventory out. You literally, you prep your inventory, you send it off to Amazon if you're doing FBA. You list it on multiple platforms, which is one of the other things that we do and we teach. And um, that all came to a screeching halt around September the 6th for me, is when I first started displaying symptoms of being sick. And my team normally comes in around the end of September and they work from the end of September for about six to eight weeks and then they're out. Everything came to a screeching halt. I was in and out of the ER. Um, I was put on all types of medication. Uh, at one point people thought I was crazy. And we ultimately discovered after a bunch of different situations, a bunch of different sequence of events that I had mold in my house. And so my Q4 came to a halt. I had to stop the people from coming. I had to cancel orders. I had inventory that I had to move out of my house immediately. I had my garage, my living room, and I had to move it to a storage unit. So instead of making money during Q4, I actually ended up losing money. And so that is how the topic for your conference kind of was birthed. It's like in the middle of all this, before people were using the word pivot, I was using the word pivot <laughs> because I had to figure out how to pivot in my e-commerce business and still how to make money during Q4 um, when you know, you, you're used to making, having lots of sales in October and lots of sales in November and December, and then you literally can't receive any inventory, you've lost money because you have to cancel orders and you have to pay money for a storage unit, like everything changed. So I, I got creative about um, how I was gonna produce money. I did some retail arbitrage, which was one of my solutions. Um, which I, I know how to do retail arbitrage all day. I would uh, merchant fulfill some of the things that we go out to the storage unit a couple of times throughout the week and merchant fulfill items or list items from there. And then I also kind of looked at what other skill sets do I have? And so I think in the middle of this journey as people are trying to figure out what they're gonna do, you should um, expand your thinking about what are the other skills and what other knowledge do you have that you can lend out to the universe and use that to make money. And so I know how to make funnels. I know how to host events. I know how to help people um, improve their brand. I know how to do some marketing. I know how to create videos. 
And so I actually farmed myself out to a few people during Q4 and I helped create some of their funnels for their Q4 programs. I helped create some of their marketing, their emails, their videos. And so that is how I was able to make some money during Q4, not the same amount that I would typically make, but again, making that shift in the middle of this. Now, I do want to say, I do have, like I said, two special needs kids. One is autistic, one has Asperger's. And so being able to adjust quickly has always been something I've had to learn how to do. Like, you have a you know, Nicole, you didn't mention you have two special needs children, but you're also a single mom. I'm a single mom. I'm a vice president of a nonprofit. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, she does everything, y'all. And so I don't know if y'all heard what Nicole just said, but basically she had her whole business up and running. Um, she mostly has been doing, you know, wholesale, retail, arbitrage, that kind of stuff. And she was operating out of her home. And all of a sudden she gets mold and she literally can't use her house anymore. She has to move all this inventory out, everything. And she had to figure out how to pivot. How many of you during this coronavirus situation are in the same position? You might not have mold in your house, but you can't leave. You can't get to your inventory. It might be in all your stock might be in Amazon. How many of us have had to pivot? How many of us have had to say, okay, what other skills do I have? What else can I do in my business? Uh, what other things, you know, can I maybe learn print on demand? Can I maybe publish some books on KDP? Can I do, you know, any of these things that can make me money? And so many of us, I know that's been the big conversation in all of our Facebook groups and our group chat and LinkedIn groups and everything is like, hey, what are you doing to make money right now? Because once we left our jobs, if it's your side hustle and you still have your main job, that's one thing, right? But once you've left your job and you are literally, this is it, you are doing this now you have to figure something out. So I love Nicole that you just were like, you know what? I have skills. I have, you know, you have worked your whole <laughs> life. You have put on major events. You have done all these things and you just started pulling from those skills and saying, Hey, what can I generate from that? And what's yeah. so wonderful is that that's the beauty of online business, isn't it? I mean, Andy has done so many different businesses as well. And I think, <laughs> from any of us, you know, that you hear, you, you hear from any of us, we all have multiple streams of income and we all have multiple talents. So what about you, Renata? Let's hear a little bit about how you got started in e-commerce and, and your background and your story. Well, Nicole definitely gave you guys the Cliff's Notes version because she completely left out that I've known her for over 40 years. And so a lot of what she's done, she kind of pulled me along um, for the ride with uh, the, the previous group that we were with and then of course with the trainings. So the thing that I did was I think I've always been selling. Always been selling. I know I would uh, go to different functions. You would always hear, you know, always be closing. But from the time I was a kid, and Nicole can attest to this, but my dad was, I don't know what, I don't even know what I would call him at this point, but he just bought things. He would go out to garage sales and buy things. He would go you know, buy things from other people or whatever. But as a kid, my, my mom was a teacher and he was a business owner. So I would, a lot of times I would be home alone trying to entertain myself. And I would literally have sales on the side of the side of the curb. Things that he wouldn't even miss for like three or four years. He'd be looking for 
thing and I've already sold it. But that was as a, you know, a young teenager or tween, that was how I made my money to, you know, buy, my, buy food out of the ice cream truck and anything that was going on. So after college, I went into technology and found out I went into technology because in the early 90s, it's like that's where all the money was. But it didn't take me very long to figure out that I absolutely hated it. I didn't like programming, which is where I ended up. I didn't like being in a cubicle. I was too much of a social butterfly to be head down all the time programming. And so uh, I, was, I only worked out of college, uh, took a really nice offer, moved away, only worked out of college for about three years before I started my own business. And from then until now, it's always been something. And so Nicole and I, she mentioned 2018, but she's a brainstormer. And so she just did this huge dump and tells me about all of this stuff. And I was in the middle of Amazon. I was in the middle of, I actually do a number of things that I always have, but I had a brick and mortar business um, with the whole thing that happened in 2008. I ended up closing the doors on that around 2009. But immediately I'd always been selling things on eBay. I'd always been selling things on Amazon, but you know, it was just kind of a side hustle as Amy mentioned. It was just something that I did. Uh, my kids were young. If there was something that I bought that they didn't need, didn't use, or had used, and we weren't using it anymore, I'd list it, and eventually it would sell. You know, it wasn't, I didn't have any of these soft skills that we have now, you know, where we talk about funnels and we talk about ads or PPC. None of that. I just listed it, and when it sold, it sold. But I went through a time where I was in transition moved from the DFW area where Nicole is, and I ended up, I landed right here north of Austin. I'm in the Colleen area now. And so uh, about five years ago, I went full-time um, Amazon. I was doing a lot of other things, but I, I am also a mobile notary. I also do mystery shopping. Uh, and as a single mom, as Nicole mentioned, it's just, you know, you make it happen. It's whatever you need to do to keep the lights on. I like to tell my kids when they go in there and flip on the switch, it's not a magic trick, dude. It's like, you know, there's work that goes <laughs> behind all of that. And so um, Amazon FBA ended up being where I kind of landed. But ironically, with everything that was going on, I think at some point in the future, we will all look back on this time period. And I always refer to it as PC. So it will be pre-COVID. <laughs> so I ended up with a bunch of inventory here at the house that I didn't get shipped in because I had some things going on. My son, both of my sons play basketball but we were traveling all the time. I didn't get some things shipped in. So worked out really well for me that when everything had to go merchant fulfilled, well, most of my things were here. And so that pivot has meant a lot of different things to a lot of people. But if you are on Amazon, you know that Amazon shifts when everything else shifts and you've got to kind of go with that flow. And with all the changes that Amazon has made, all I can say is I'm staying very busy. Orders are coming in constantly. There have been some days that I literally, before I go to bed, I have to turn it off. I'm setting my vacation, setting my store to vacation two or three nights a week just so that I can keep up with the orders. So there's definitely opportunity in what we're going through right now. People need to be very motivated to make it happen. There are going to be some really big ideas that come out of this and people are going, it's gonna change people's lives for the better in terms of, you know, people that don't know what they're going to do now, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And so the creative juices will begin to flow and people that didn't leave their jobs, but planned on it. Well, now they're out here and they're going to be the ones that come up with some of these great ideas that are going to forge us 
into the future. So as Nicole mentioned with Ecom Sellers, we've got a ton of spinoffs. And every time she comes up with one of these great ideas or attends a conference or is invited to a podcast, then I come right along. And so I love Nicole with all of my heart. She's got a heart of gold and she loves helping people. And so our, our group is about just that. It's about helping people find their way um, in e-commerce, whether it's on Amazon or if they feel like there's something else that's going to, you know, a different model that's going to work better for them. We're here to help them find their way. And I love that about what we're doing. Renata, you made a couple of, of great points there and some stuff that I want to point out. Uh, one of the things is, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but there's, you know, a lot of billionaires have been made uh, during uh, down economic times because, um, exactly what you're saying is is that these ideas and these new things are born out of necessity. And um, as a, a seller online, if you're if you're currently selling online, what you need to do is really dig deep and think outside the box. And you know, something one of the things I love to do right now is just go to brand analytics, right, and just start looking at the search terms of what people are searching for right now. Um, <clears throat> if you want to try to sell, you know, masks or hand sanitizers, you're probably not going to get too far. But if you start getting creative and, and really thinking about, you know, what are people going to need in the next, you know, two weeks, one month, three months, um, you know, if this continues, which it is, of course, for the short term, but it could go long, who knows, um, you know, when you when you start looking at, at, at some of these things that there's a lot of opportunity to be had if you get really creative. Yeah. We've always taught um, our, our membership to, you know, start with no cost or low cost alternatives and I'll tell you I mean I've always been one that when I'm shopping for my family whatever's in the cart I'm looking at it I'm like well I'm buying it let's see how many other people are buying it and no matter what I pick up there's always going to be either other flavors other variations other sizes and so I'll tell anyone that's listening now if you're doing Amazon but you're not sure how you're going to make it work with not being able to get out and get to some of the things you typically buy start scanning in your pantry I can't tell you how many items I've gone out to, you know, just pick up for my own family and ended up, you know, buying quite a bit. I'm being socially responsible. We don't, you know, I haven't been clearing the shelves, but I'm picking up extra just to put in my own inventory. And it's literally getting shipped out or getting sold before I can even get it home. Hey, Renata, that's a, I was just about to ask you that because I don't do a lot of, um, you know, retail arbitrage or online arbitrage, but I know that there's a lot going on right now because there's the opportunity there. And uh, that was something I was going to ask you is if, you know, I know people right now are, are looking at a lot of people who are doing that and thinking that they're hoarding or, you know, oh, you, you're doing a disservice. You're, you're trying to like, you know, jack up prices and things like that. But what a lot of people don't realize is in, in, depending on the place, you know, in the country, there's needs elsewhere, right? Like one place might be stocked full of, of milk, but this pl other place here, like we went to the store the other day and there's no eggs anywhere to be found, which is hilarious because we're in Sonoma County, California, which is a huge producer of eggs. So that's just hilarious that, you know, here we're probably shipping all those eggs off, but we can get eggs for our own family. Luckily, you know, we live rural, so there's a bunch of farms nearby. We were able to, to find a farm this morning that had some, but that's just an example of where, you know, it's, it's sad that people, I know that some people are definitely, you know, taking advantage, but the other thing you have to realize too, is, you know, most people selling on Amazon, you know, I read something uh, recently that said, you know, only 1% of Amazon sellers sell more than more than a million dollars per year on Amazon. Right. Mm -hmm. So most of these people selling on Amazon are small businesses and they're supporting their families too. And we live in a, in a, in a place where it's a free market and, you know, 
people, uh, you know, buy here and sell there. It's just part of, of the economy. Right. Well, yeah. one of the things that I've actually been spending a lot of time addressing because I'm, you know, calling my, all my friends and asking for boxes, you know, a lot of my supplies are even on back order from China, but just making sure that I address to people that this is an actual need right now. Um, we're feeling a need. I've had a few of my friends who, who've known that I've sold online uh, that call me and thank me, you know, you're actually helping keep our economy going. But the thing that people don't realize is there's cost on both sides of that. So there's a risk to me and my family if I take them. But if I go out, the person on the other end is not taking. And in addition to that, it's getting delivered to the door. So there's a cost to that that everyone doesn't always see. But there's the cost of my going out, my getting it, my getting it back home, my finding the boxes, my doing all of this so that you can have the opportunity to just walk outside your door and pick that item up that you couldn't go to the store and find. I've actually sourced that for you or that you, you know, weren't able to leave. So uh, people, some people realize it and some people don't, but as an Amazon, as an Amazon seller, I'm trying to make sure that I address that many people that I can because right. I've been talking to people about, you know, having a side hustle or selling online for years and people thought it was, you know, oh, it's too big of a hassle or whatever. And I've, I've actually supplemented uh, my retail arbitrage with online arbitrage and wholesale is really big for me now. But when I go out, the thing I'm realizing is a lot of the things that I didn't sell because I thought it was too much hassle or it wasn't a big deal because we were just talking about that, you know, we had to make a shift. So some of the things that I've been buying for my family that maybe weren't selling, you know, well enough for me to sell on Amazon. Now I'm able to pick up an extra one or an extra two and make that available to another family. So there are things that I hadn't been set. My entire inventory has shifted in the last two weeks. We've for noticed that too on the private label side, stuff that hasn't sold in forever. I had inventory that was just old and we just recently put some stuff on Mercury because you know, we thought it was like, nobody's going to buy this stuff, but it started selling on Amazon. So we started taking old inventory. So those of you out there who have old inventory that's in your warehouse or in your garage or on Amazon, and maybe you've turned it off, turn it back on because it's selling. selling. Yes. yes. Yeah. So I have a question about your retail arbitrage. You know, I, the one thing is, yeah, there's a cost to going out and getting these things and, and bringing them in. And, you know, especially during this time, but how has that affected you now? Like with the fact that you can't really go out, I know a lot of people are doing mostly online arbitrage. How are you guys, and, and how, how do you think that's really impacting people who have, you know, six to seven figure retail arbitrage businesses where this is their livelihood, this is how they take care of their families. Um, what kind of pivoting have you guys seen people have to do in the retail arbitrage space? And do you think people are still going out and actually shopping and sourcing? And what does yeah. that look like in the community? In retail arbitrage, a big piece of what we do is the relationship piece. So um, I've got a relationship with some of the store managers where they know what I'm looking for. And now that that's changed, you know, I'm quick to call them up and tell them, hey, if you get some of this in, you know, can you let me know? And so that is helping me um, through this storm that we're going through. But the biggest piece of that, as we talked about, is making that pivot to look at other, not only alternatives to sourcing, but what we're sourcing. So again, the, the only times I'm really leaving my house now is when there is a real need for something that you know, we don't have. And I guarantee you, every, every time I go out, you know, I'm looking for all those items that we've already used up, 
or the items that I've already, you know, sold and, you know, most of them have limits on them, you know, picking up a few more of those. But my sales on most of my consistent sellers are down because I don't have access to them. But my sales are up overall because everything is selling now. All the, you know, toys and things that I had gotten so frustrated about being um, restricted, you know, I'm selling it on other platforms. Everything is selling now. So it's not so much the arbitrage piece of it, but we're definitely in the retail business. So again, just like Amy said, if you can go find some of your dead stock, if you can go and find things in your garage that you didn't use, weren't going to use, or maybe now think you won't have chance to use, it's a good time to go and list those things because people are anxious about whenever we're released from these restrictions, the kinds of things they're going to do. So I can't tell you how many summer toys I've sold. Like, you know, that stuff was listed from last year. So obviously I went and looked at all of the stuff that I hadn't listed yet and started putting that up. Renata, really? I was going to add. Oh, go ahead. I was, I was going to add to that. So in general, um, I've talked to several other retail arbitragers and worked with a few of them. And a lot, some of them are still like, regardless of what the stay at home orders are, they're still going out. So the, the answer that question. The second piece of that is some of them uh, we're being, we're teaching to be strategic. So inside of our group, like I've gone through and, and given my group a list of activities and actions that they could perform. So one of the things that we suggested is that you can place your orders online and go to the store to pick up, especially like your Walmarts and your targets, they'll let you do the store pickup. In addition to that, don't overlook the opportunity at grocery stores. Grocery stores will allow you to do pickup. And so since what people are buying are the things that are in your bathroom, the things that are in your kitchen, those are the things that people are looking for. And then the sidebar things that people are looking for is anything to keep the kids busy, anything at all. So what we did was in our training, we went back and we told everybody, go through your inventory that maybe you pulled your inventory back on Janu in January from Amazon, go list everything that you previously pulled back from Amazon. Do that now, don't hesitate. Second, start looking for the things that if you're putting it in your cart, when you go to the store, somebody else is gonna need that same thing. Third, go after some of the niches, the things that are not typical. So an example was in yesterday's training, I told them, you know, people are looking, uh, people who are diabetic are looking for sugar-free candy, okay? That's a perfect example of something that the rank on it may have been horrible in the past, but right now is selling like hotcakes on Amazon or any other platform. People are looking for, you know, sugar-free candy. That's just one example. Or gluten-free, you know, gluten-free pasta. So there are families that are just not going out at all and they want to place those orders. If you have access to that while you're picking up your order from whatever, throw some extra stuff in your cart and um, so that that way you can have that, those things available to be able to sell because that's a big deal. Um, and so we're also teaching them, look at other ways in which you can pivot because the restrictions that we have in the US are not the same restrictions you have in Canada. So the fact that you can't send inventory and well, you can send it in, yeah, but anyway, if you were to do Merchant Fulfilled for sure, we told everybody to pivot to Merchant Fulfilled a long time ago. But in addition to that, explore your other opportunities. If you're so used to sending inventory to Amazon, send your inventory into prep centers instead so that that way you can make that pivot over there and let the prep centers do the work for you. The cost is negligible, meaning the cost of using a prep center versus using Amazon FBA, the numbers are going to be very close to what you would have paid anyway in, in the additional Amazon fees. So look at it, a prep center, that way you can continue to do merchant fulfilled and you can continue to source. 
and also look at um, look at uh, transitioning to Canada because you don't have those restrictions. Canada is not stopping anything. And so people are used to that. And if you can source in Canada and you don't have to worry about stuff crossing the border, you can place those orders in Canada, have a prep center in Canada, pick your stuff up, and then you can list those things on Amazon Canada as another way to keep money going and moving in your business. I love that, Nicole. And the, the other thing that you mentioned, it, you know, it makes me think about for our private label audience, I posted something earlier today about the 100 fastest growing categories and in e-commerce from March last year to March this year. And, you know, weight training supplies, bread machines, and people are thinking, you know, well, what can I do? I can't send new stuff into Amazon. Well, what can you do? You can, you know, the bread machines are up 652%. Weight training equipment is up 307%. Computer monitors up 172%. I mean, just thinking about these things that people are normally not buying, if you know how to source them, let's say you know how to source from wherever, you know, your home country, maybe you're, you're in Australia and you can source from Australia and you can just send it to Canada. And that way you're not having to take your inventory out of Amazon FBA US and then import it into Canada because that's some extra import fees, right? If you can take it directly from your supplier and like Nicole said, send it to a prep center. You can send it to prep centers in Canada. You can send it to prep centers in the US. Look at other countries. Think about what is selling right now. And if you have a quick way to source it, you know, you don't have to develop a product necessarily. You guys know I'm a big fan of developing products, but if it's something that you can source and you can source it quick and you can move it, now is the time to be able to take advantage of that. Definitely. I love those tips. I think Andy had a question queued up. No, I actually had another uh, tip uh, and something a lot of people aren't thinking about, but uh, I've been looking into a lot is go local. Like the, the oh, a yeah. bunch of, a bunch of your stores downtown are closed. Their doors are closed. Go find out who yes. owns that store, call them and say, Hey, I want to list your stuff on Amazon. I'll do it for free. I just want a cut. And you know, how happy, teaching that too, Andy. You know how happy teaching they that. will be to, they oh, yeah. will jump at that offer. They will jump for joy because you're going to help them get money into their pockets. Their front doors are currently closed unless they're selling food or something that's deemed essential you know, there's a toy store in town here that I'm, I'm going to reach out to just for that exact reason. Cause I know that they could sell like crazy if they're not already online. So, you know, those are, and not only that, but you're going to help all these people. So do and it. Even I if mean, they're already your, online and yeah. you can still, um, so even if they're already online, you can help them get their stuff on other platforms. Yep. You can help them get their stuff, get more presence, more traffic to it. So, and that was one of the things that I was teaching as well is definitely look at your local suppliers, look at businesses that you already know are going out that are having challenges, like they've had to shut their doors. And like in some of the restaurants, so I have a, a friend who owns a restaurant chain and she sells a specific sauce. It's unique and it's an in-demand sauce, but she didn't have any front end to be for people to be able to order it. And she didn't have any presence for it. I'm like, let's just, I mean, Facebook is free, Instagram is free, Twitter's free. You know, Pinterest is free. Let's get you a page up. Let's create some graphics really quick. Let's get this thing fired up so that that way you can at least, even if it's a little bit of money, any amount of money is going to be helpful to help that business reopen its doors a little faster when we come on the other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing about that is multiple streams are super important now. Not that they haven't always been, but just another tip. If you're going through a period where Amazon is anything. I know um, I, I went through 
a period where that was happening pretty frequently and not so much now. But if it does happen, you can have them, when you remove those items, you can remove them directly to a prep and merchant fulfill them instead of having them come back, which I've been guilty of, having them come back home and then you've got to, you know, get it all ready to go out again. And sometimes it takes a little longer. Just send it straight to a prep center. It's already listed. So you just switch it over to Merchant Fulfill and then you're ready to go. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at SellerRoundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.